could there still be an infrastructure deal on the horizon? And who was the government really spying on? Hey, girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an I, and this is Did You Hear the News? Okay, so let's just get into the things, right? So this week, the president is in the UK for the G7 summit. And the vice president over the weekend went to Mexico and Guatemala to basically do her role as it is in looking into the root causes of immigration. I would say the trip went without a hitch. However... (laughs) Vice President Kamala Harris, I don't understand sometimes the way that she answers questions. She already gets a lot of criticism over the fact she does like this nervous laugh thing. Some people really hate it. Sometimes when she gets asked a question that I feel like she thinks is like a dumb question or not an important question, or she knows it's like a gotcha question, she'll kind of do like this weird laugh And people really hate it. Me, not so much, but like a lot of people really hate it. And so, as you know, she has been named as the person who's going to be looking into immigration and all that stuff. And from jump, the president said he wanted her to look into root causes. But she's been criticized from the beginning of that announcement for the fact that she hasn't actually gone to the border, which... I understand maybe why she might go to the actual countries first when she is supposed to be focusing on the root causes of the reasons that people are immigrating here. The issue is that she knows that she's going to get asked about when she's going to the border. And she just acts so weird about it every time. It's like, girl, you know they're going to ask you every time. You... And your communications team can put together a good answer. Simone, who's on her team? Simone, are you on the team? Somebody can put together an answer for when you're going to go to the border. Saying things like, we've been to the border. No, not since you've been vice president have you gone to the border. And then to say things like, well, I haven't gone to Europe either. Girl, nobody is talking about Europe. They're talking about the fact that you are the one who's supposed to be looking into the root causes of why people are are migrating here, but you haven't been to the border. Do you plan on going to the border? What's with that? Like, just answer the question. It's so weird. Listen, I understand if you think it's a dumb question, if you want to distance yourself from the question, but it's not that hard to me, to me. I don't think it's that hard to say. I have not yet been to the border because my main focus is what's going on in these countries that is causing individuals to want to make that dangerous journey over here. Once we have more information on that, then we'll come together, we'll regroup, and we'll decide when to go to the border. Pay me! Pay me because why can't I make a better 
a better answer than your communications team. That you know they're going to ask you this question. It doesn't help that you act so annoyed whenever they ask the question. You know they're going to ask. Come up with the answer. Use mine. If you if it helps, use mine. Now there was one more thing she did say. I don't remember if it was in Guatemala or Mexico, but she did say I think it was Guatemala. She told the people, "Do not come." Do not come. And there was quite an uproar, especially from, you know, liberal Democrats, uh, about the fact that she said, do not come. And I get both sides of it, right? I get that, you know, liberal Democrats are like, you can't tell people that because seeking asylum is a right. People have the right to seek asylum. I guess I try, I kind of understand what the point of her message was, right? So, as I said before on this podcast, when President Biden got into office, there was somewhat of a perception that he was going to be more lax when it came to immigration and letting people in, and especially because he was overturning certain policies that the former president had enacted uh, through executive action. He was overturning those. So he was giving off the perception or the perception was that he was, you know, more humane when it came to immigration. And a lot of people use that as a reason to think like, okay, now is the time. Of course, we know there was a lot going on. There was the fact that the last four years, that administration totally just broke down the infrastructure of immigration. They basically made all of these ridiculous, you know, inhumane executive orders in which like they took children from their parents and things like that. So we already know that there was a breakdown in the processes for the past four years. Then there was COVID. Then there was the fact that normally around the same time that the president got inaugurated is the time that there's normally like an influx in immigrants. And then you have the the perception that the president is more humane. So it was just a perfect storm of things that made what was going on at the border just kind of a catastrophe. I know they don't want to call it a crisis, but a, a catastrophe, if you will. So I understand not wanting to give off the idea that just because now President Biden is in office, everyone should come. But you can't just say, don't come, right? Maybe, hey, don't make that dangerous journey because we don't have the processes in place right now that would see or help all you people that are migrating. Something something like that, but not do not come. And I get why they're trying to do it. I mean... Once again, for the reasons that I previously said, but there's also been like talks of that, you know, the cartel will talk to people that want to immigrate and they'll like kind of like hype them up and tell them that the journey is like a little bit easier than it actually is. And they'll they'll be like, you know, give me your money and I'll tell you how you can get in. And then these people end up dying on the way there. It's just a lot of things. So I, I get the message that she was trying to give off but once again 
Words at communications team. I feel like y'all setting her up for failure. Like, who wrote that into the speech? Because I think y'all knew, like, Kamala girl, call me. If you need, call me. Because I think I think I could have gave you some better talking points than your communications team did. No offense, Simone, whoever's on the team, no offense. But come on, come on. Y'all, you got a girl out here looking crazy. And look, she's not above reproach or criticism we can say hey you know you've met the moment as it comes to you know the first black vice president and the first south asian uh vice president but when when she needs to be criticized she needs to be criticized and like she could have done better she could have had her answers prepared better she could have gave a better message i'm gonna give her a six out of ten Six out of ten. I think she can. I think there's so much better she can do. So that was the vice president in Central America doing what she had to do. Then I think it was on Tuesday, our president went to the UK. They're having the G7 summit there. That's where they meet with the UK or the leaders of the UK, Japan, Germany, France, uh, Canada. Good stuff. Uh, right before he left, he called Shelly Moore Capito on the phone, talked to her for about five minutes, and was like, hey, negotiations are done. I hope you have a good one. And that was that. <laughs> that was that. So he shut down the negotiations on the infrastructure deal. And so that led to a group of moderates about five, I think it's five Democrats, five Republicans, moderates that are getting together and they are now working on their own type of infrastructure proposal. They did propose it, I think, uh, yesterday or the day before. So it was $1.7 trillion uh, in infrastructure, a whole lot more spending uh, closer to what the president wanted. However, once again, I just don't know if they're going to agree on a way to pay for it, as I mentioned before, those were just the sticking points with the negotiations between the president and Shelley Moore Capito. So that seems to probably be where we are in terms of this agreement by moderates. Uh, if they don't at any point say that we need to raise taxes, I don't know if that's a proposal that the president's going to accept. I know for sure he's not trying to raise taxes on anyone who makes less than $400,000. So user fees and all those other fees like poll taxes and all of that stuff for the average everyday American, I don't think that's going to fly well with him as well as the fact that Republicans do not want to touch that tax bill that the former president um got through in which he gave those tax cuts to corporations. So I don't know. I just don't know. And they, they did unveil this, of course, while the president is in the UK for the G7. He's going to be there for a week. He's been there for about half a week at this point. He still has about four more days to go. He's still going to meet with Russian leader Vladimir Putin. He... I don't think he's really paying attention to it at this time. And of course, they're on different time zones. So it's like there's only a few hours in the midst of the day where they have to like talk to one another. It's just 
we'll just have to see when he gets back. It feels like how he's going to uh, feel about that proposal. But there is still work to be done. Um, I know a lot of people thought, oh, like, let's just shut this down so that the Democrats can go it alone. But they can't. They can't do that. Why? Because Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who I have to bring up every week because they're just the literal thorns in all our sides, refuse to give up this idea that they're going to get 10 Republicans to agree on an infrastructure bill. Like they refuse to give it up. So they're going to have to use every last ounce of teamwork they got in them. Now, other Democrats are already like, we need to move on, especially, especially liberal Democrats. They feel like, once again, we're watering down a bill for Republicans to accept it and then once we get to the end they don't and at that point like they could have had everything they wanted in the bill they could have did it through reconciliation they could have got it passed with just 51 votes but you still need Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema to support it like they'd have to be that those two vote voting for it like they have to get to 50 Democrats just to get that one tiebreaker from the vice president so it's just like we we're going to be stuck until the two of them can get to a point where they're like listen okay like republicans are just not going to they're not going to work with it like a lot of people are like they're not they're not negotiating in good faith but for some reason joe mention like actively believes that even if he gets these five republican senators and then they get five more and they feel like they have a great bill even though it's watered down there's no climate because liberal democrats have already said we're not going to support it if there's no climate so that's that and then you get it to a point where i guess everyone can agree on it and then mitch mcconnell goes don't vote don't vote for it and then we're back in the same place right because he calls the shot regardless of it whether he's in control or not he still calls the shots and if he tells his caucus not to vote for the bill guess what they're gonna do even though Mitt Romney already knows he don't care for Trump and he doesn't look for Trump's approval Lisa Murkowski already knows she doesn't have Trump's approval all of these people know they're not really popular with the former president but they still vote in line with the caucus that wants approval from the former president see how it don't make sense anyways so that's where we are with infrastructure and we're gonna have to keep talking about it until these people get it together hopefully they will basically it's the biggest part of the president's americans jobs plan so if they don't if they don't get that together then i just really don't know how that's going to go for his agenda i just know it's a hot mess express and it, as it after it all boils down to it it's probably going to have to be democrats going in alone but it's like how long are moderates like joe manchin going to drag it out joe manchin who is absolutely against getting rid of the filibuster even after talking to members of the Congressional Black Caucus about how he should support HR1 and how the filibuster is used and has been used to basically block anything that helps, you know, people of color. He's still not feeling it. So 
that's where we are with infrastructure and HR1, as I mentioned, because of the fact that um, Joe Manchin has said he does not support the For the People Act because he feels like it's partisan, which is really interesting because the partisan thing that's happening is that Republicans are trying to take voting rights from people and the Democrats are just trying to make it so they can't do that. I guess that's what makes it partisan. I guess that's what makes it partisan. But anyways, so that's where we are with those things. Now, let's get into some mess. Y'all's former president was in North Carolina last week uh, telling more lies uh, and trying to lead people to believe that he was going to be reinstated into the presidency. Also, I'm hearing that there's a floating of the idea that he can become House Speaker, which is really weird. I think there's some strange like clause or something in the rules where like you don't necessarily have to like be a rep or whatever to be House Speaker. I don't know. I just find that really funny because it's like that's what Kevin McCarthy is trying his hardest to become is House Speaker. And now it's like Donald Trump. <laughs> It, or whoever is floating the idea that he could be the one that could be house speaker. Like, isn't that crazy? Anyways, aside from those lies that we're not going to continue to reiterate here on this podcast, it came out this week that the Bill Barr Department of Justice continued to push these investigations into leaks that were started when Jeff Sessions was in office. So if you recall, Jeff Sessions was the attorney general first. He looks like an actual Keebler elf. Look him up. You'll see what I'm saying. He was the attorney general at first, right? During the Mueller investigation in Russia and all of that. And the former president got really, really pissed off with him when he recused himself from the investigation when he said let me just take myself out of it because clearly there's a conflict of interest the former president got so very upset with him and that's when he soured on him and started talking junk and then basically got rid of him well in a a sort of attempt to try to appease the president even though he recused himself from the Mueller investigation he basically open all these investigations into leakers because the former president felt as if there was someone who was leaking information to reporters and that was why reporters were were able to report on a lot of the things that came out during that Russia investigation. So the president was just gung-ho on the fact that like somebody's leaking the information and they had to find out who was leaking it. Now, we come to find out over the past few weeks, right? Because it's kind of like a slow trickle of information, right? So we find out that they had been in like subpoenaing the like phone data from journalists. There were like journalists with the New York Times, I think. Um there was journalists with, I think it was another news source, and then also CNN. Um, they were subpoenaing the phone data for journalists at these organizations. 
And that information has been coming out over the past weeks. Now we find out, not only were they subpoenaing that information from journalists, but also the data. And when I say data, I mean metadata. So basically what they were trying to get was information about like who they were communicating. So they couldn't necessarily see like what the text might have said or like heard what was on the phone call, but they were trying to get information about who was talking to who. So they went to Apple and said, we're subpoenaing the phone records for, it was uh, Adam Schiff, who was basically on the House Intelligence Committee that was investigating the former president during all of this crazy Russia uh, Mueller type stuff. And Eric Swalwell, who was also on the House Intelligence Committee at the same time. And then we find out that not only were they trying to get their records, they were trying to get the records of, or they got the records of their family members. Uh, One might have even been a minor. So at this point, they go to Apple for this information. They go to CNN for information to get like emails and stuff from the journalist, Barbara Starr, that they were trying to get her information. But they put them on a gag order, right? So they can't say anything. Like they can't even tell the people that are being investigated that they're being investigated. And so apparently, once again, like I said, this started under Jeff Sessions. They pulled information. I guess the Department of Justice is working on this. They're looking through what they find. They're like, hey, like, listen, by the time Bill Barr comes along, they're like, we don't have anything. Like, we just, we don't have anything suggesting what the former president wants you guys to believe. And apparently Bill Barr was like, we'll look harder. Like, <laughs> wouldn't close the investigation down once he found nothing he was just like okay we'll keep looking keep pressing which once again is crazy because now you're investigating members of congress a co-equal branch of government and you're keeping it a secret and even when no information is found that would suggest that they've leaked anything you're still pressing investigations into them that's not that's not a good thing that's a bad thing in case you guys wonder that's a bad thing that's a total overreach of his role as the attorney general it's just a hot mess express like so many people are calling on bill Barr to be disbarred so I like my favorite um, hashtags on Twitter. Uh, it's just, it's caused like a flurry of just outrage because at this point now it's like, this is the tip of the iceberg. Like this is the little information that we know of. And we only know it because once again, now the gag orders are starting to expire. So they, I think they renewed the gag orders like two or three times. And now that they're out of office and they can no longer keep renewing these gag orders, information is starting to come out. So now legal counsel at CNN can talk about it. Uh, Apple can tell these people that they've been contacted. And what I found was so crazy is that 
There probably have been so many people whose data has been subpoenaed, but they don't know. Apparently, when they got the message or if they've ever gotten a message, it looks kind of like spam. So it could have come to them and it might have looked like spam or like it could have gone to their spam folders because number one, why are you emailing people to tell them that like the Department of Justice is subpoenaing their uh, data from their phone records and stuff? But not only that, it's like some people might have looked at it and like, what is this? Or have never even seen it. So uh, many people may not even know that they were part of these leak investigations or that their data has been subpoenaed and, and has, you know, that the Department of Justice actually had a hand on their metadata. It's just really crazy. And I saw a lot of people on the internet saying like, okay, but do you know what happens with this data, right? Do you know that like, if, Say, for instance, and I saw a a legal analyst say this on the news as well. Say, for instance, that someone, one of the family members of Rep. Adam Schiff, because it was his family that was targeted, happened to reach out to like Alcoholics Anonymous or like a suicide hotline or something like that. And they found that information that could have been information that they like used against like the rep or like used to kind of blackmail them so a lot of people are wondering now how many people have had their data subpoenaed was it just democrats was it republicans too what information could his justice department have gotten about people that they used against them It's just like, it's a whole can of worms that has been opened. And I think it's like really wild. It's just really crazy. At this time, it really only looks like he went after, you know, people and news outlets that he just had like personal beef with. Like y'all know he hates CNN. So right now it just looks like he only went after those people and those outlets. I mean, he literally had done like press conferences where he straight up said that he felt like Adam Schiff was the one who was leaking information which is interesting because once again this week the Justice Department under Merrick Garland argued that they should represent the former president for comments that he made about E. Jean Carroll while he was president Uh, which led her to file a defamation suit against him. Now, that upset a lot of people, of course, because they were like, why are you defending this guy? And once again, I kind of feel like I see both sides. I feel like Merrick Garland is trying to be fair for fairness sake. But at the same time, he should stop. So basically, the argument was that there are like two different questions. Is he a government employee? Was he acting under his like, you know, presidential capacity? Merrick Garland's Department of Justice said the answer to both was yes. Now, I don't understand how getting up and basically defaming someone or like disparaging someone is acting in an official capacity. I don't understand that. 
And I don't understand that at all. I understand how the, the president is a government employee. I totally understand that. But I don't understand how defaming someone is acting in your official capacity. But I think what Bill Barr's Justice Department is trying to say is that he was president at the time that he made the comments. So number one, he was a government employee and number two he was acting in his official capacity even though he was using it to defame someone else that's the problem for me that's the problem for a lot of folks a lot of folks were not happy with that and i'm like at this point merrick garland like we get it i know you don't want to be seen as the attorney general who is basically like partisan or who you know, you don't want it to be seen as Biden's Justice Department. And I understand that because the last Justice Department, as we just mentioned, worked for the president to do his bidding. So I get what he's trying to do. But at the same time, I'm like, this maybe that's not the time. Maybe that's not the way you should do it. Like maybe, maybe you should not defend the president for defaming somebody while he's in his official capacity i say that to say <laughs> now it appears that they're calling on the justice department to look into what was going on during these uh leak investigations and when this information was subpoenaed I also read that there'll be a doj watchdog uh investigation i think into all of this and what's going on. The crazy thing is that at this time, there are still Trump appointed people in the Justice Department. Ask me what I think they should do. I'm glad you asked. Get rid of them. Get them all out. Like it, Just clean the slate. Because at this point, when you can see that the former president used the Justice Department to enact his own like personal grievances and you know personal vendettas out against people nobody there can be trusted because these people did it like they didn't stand up and say like no we shouldn't do that like they they did it so at this point it's like get them out get them out they need to go they need to go and at this point chuck schumer has highly suggested that Bill Barr and Jeff Sessions uh, basically give like testimony on these leak investigations. Um, you know, they're not going to do that on their own volition. So it appears that they might possibly be subpoenaed to come and testify. Now, do we think that we'll get much out of that? Probably not. I mean, probably not. Jeff Sessions might. He might say something. I don't know. He might have spent some time in his his tree as a keeper elf and had decided that he might want to tell the truth. But the last time that Bill Barr had to testify in front of a sitting committee and then Senator Kamala Harris asked him, has anyone ever asked or suggested that you investigate members of Congress? He was like... Can you can you repeat the question? And she was like, sure. And she repeated the question. And he was like, I don't, that's hard. He's like, I'm grappling 
with the word suggest. <laughs> he was grappling with the word suggest. Probably because he already knew that when he came in, there were already investigations and that he just picked them up and continued to do basically what was asked. Now, Michael Cohen, who was in the middle of all this Russia stuff, had already testified that the former president might not outright ask you to do something, but he, you know, when he's asking you, like he kind of codes it in a way to where he's not necessarily asking, but you know that he's asking. So Bill Barr wasn't much of a help last time he testified. That's all I'm saying. So they might subpoena him to come in and give his testimony. Who knows if he will? Uh, who knows if it will help? Nobody does. But that's just that on that. Um, we're talking about the same Bill Barr who... When the Mueller investigation report came out, he took the report and was like, let me look at it first. Let me check it out. And instead of actually saying what was in the report, which was Donald Trump was person one, he colluded with other actors, especially those in Russia, to win his presidential campaign. But because he's president, we can't indict him. That was basically the gist of the report. But Bill Barr took the report, spun it around, put his name on it, said that it was basically like the, it was his, you know, opinion of the report and said that the report said that they didn't find Donald Trump guilty. And then everybody just ran with that. Just ran with that and was like, well, they didn't find him guilty. And it's like, no, you totally mischaracterized the report altogether. And then put it out, put your own spin on it and said that, said that they didn't find it. Instead of like people, some news outlets actually reading through the report and saying like, no, that's not what it says. Some of them just went ahead and wrote their headlines and said, the report absolves Donald Trump of any wrongdoing, which it did not. It it was actually quite the opposite. He did wrong. We know he did wrong. We see that he did wrong, but he's currently the president and no charges will be brought against him. He can't be indicted because he's the president. So we're talking about the same Bill Barr. We're talking about the same Bill Barr who resigned like the week before Christmas when he knew the issue was about to get real and he was just like, I'm out of here. I'm done. After that point, you know, the president was done with him anyway. Former president was done with him because of the fact that he said, <laughs> he said that there was no evidence that the election was a fraud or was stolen. So at that point, the, the former president was done with him. But that doesn't mean Bill Barr can be trusted to tell the truth. Especially if it's going to make him look bad. Especially if it's going to show that he was absolutely in the wrong, which we already know he was. Like, he's not going to tell the truth. All these people are out for themselves, and it's so disgusting. Just so disgusting. Speaking of that Mueller investigation, uh, the House Democrats actually released the 
transcript of the testimony from Don McGahn, who was the White House counsel at the time that all of this was going down and, you know, Mueller was doing the investigation. And basically, he reiterated what we knew. Like, once again, the president was doing wrong. He was trying to get rid of Robert Mueller. He was just obstructionary in every way. But he also basically said that the president basically asked Don McGahn to write up a memo with lies in it and give it to Robert Mueller. Basically saying that the president did not try to get rid of Robert Mueller, which we know is not true. And the president knew was not true. And Don McGahn knew was not true. So basically, the president asked this man to draw up a memo lying and send it to the man that was currently investigating him. (sighs) I know I don't have to tell y'all that, but that's illegal. That's That's illegal. That's illegal. And that's what our former president did. And I know you're not surprised. I'm not. I wasn't surprised at all. I know you're not surprised. I know many people weren't surprised, but this man testified on the record that that happened. And it's just like, is anything even going to happen to him? Meaning the former president. Nobody knows. Like nobody knows. It's just like. How corrupt can you be? Like, at this point, people are like, what he's doing now is worse than Watergate. What he was doing was worse than Watergate. And it's like, everybody's dragging their heels besides Letitia James and Cy Vance. They're working diligently. But other than that, it's like, is there going to be any kind of federal government accountability for the fact that this man was in the office Super corrupt, just doing what he wanted to do for him, grifting. Like, is is any, is anything going to be done? That's where people are at this point. Like, it's kind of like we're tired of hearing about all the wrongdoing that he did. We know that this is probably just the beginning. We know that it probably gets worse. Like, we saw him inside an insurrection and still... He's just often what is bed minister in New Jersey now because, you know, he left Mar-a-Lago for the summer. So it's just like, call me when he's in handcuffs. You know what? Better yet, call me when the judge is saying he's going to spend the rest of his natural life in jail. Call me then because otherwise it's like, why even be outraged? If nothing is going to happen to this man, if they if they just going to continue to be like <gasps> clutching their pearls, but he's never going to face any action. It's just really weird. It's so interesting. And of course, Mitch McConnell, you know, after the impeachment, when he voted not to hold the president accountable, but also got up right afterwards and was like, yeah, he absolutely, he absolutely is guilty. But let the criminal courts handle it. And now that the criminal courts are trying to handle it, it's like, oh, what? Why Why would they? It's just a witch hunt, I tell you. 
<laughs> These people are crazy. These people are crazy. And they're running our United States government. <laughs> In more fun use. The U.S. is also looking into... <laughs> not funny it's not funny the u.s is looking into leaks of the tax returns of many wealthy individuals including warren buffett elon musk uh jeff bezos all of those guys that you know get the top one percent while the rest of us get the crumbs because you know trickle down trickle down up in economics Anyway, somehow their tax documents were leaked and it was found that, unsurprisingly, they pay little to no taxes on their personal income. And why is that, you ask, Brandy? Well, thanks for asking. It's because they don't really have income, right? And our taxes are based on income. They're income taxes. And so a lot of these wealthy people don't necessarily take in regular income like the rest of us. Like they just, they have money. They're just filthy rich. Like the money's just there. So they're not taking in a, you know, salary or a monthly income like the rest of us are. And unfortunately, the U.S. has a income tax. They absolutely refuse to get on board with Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax, but they have an income tax. And so that means that when these wealthy people who don't necessarily have incomes or whose incomes are technically low, they don't have to pay a lot in income taxes. And so it's legal. It's not illegal. It's not that they're dodging the taxes in any way. It's just that's legally how it works. They don't have income to tax. They aren't taxed. They don't have to pay taxes on a lot of it. So um, once again, was not shocked or surprised. Like, I feel like we knew this. They, If their corporations don't pay taxes, did you really think that they weren't going to find a way to also not pay taxes on income. So, yeah, but of course, you know, the government has to say that, you know, it's illegal in any way to leak someone else's tax returns. And so they're looking into how those returns actually got leaked, like who put them out, whoever did it. <laughs> Kudos to you. Um Free my boy, free my girl, whoever it was. They ain't do nothing wrong. Free them. Anyways, ahead of time, because who knows if they'll get caught. They might get arrested, but free them. Anyway, so yes, that's what they found. Um, what was even more disgusting to me is that Jeff Bezos <laughs> took a child care credit, tax credit. Like, what? <laughs> you don't need it, Jeff. You don't need it. Why would you, even if it's legal, even if it's legal for you to have, you are a billionaire. You don't need a child tax credit. Like, <sighs> that's disgusting. 
that's disgust. That's even more disgusting than him actually being a billionaire while Amazon workers have to pee in bottles while they're out delivering our packages. And I'm going to say our packages because I absolutely use this Amazon Prime. I absolutely do. But it's not right. These workers have to pee in cups and bottles. It's not right. Meanwhile, he's accepting child tax credits. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, that begs the question. <laughs> Will millionaires who have small children and qualify for the new tax credits that will be starting in July where you'll get uh, $300 or $360 a month. Will will they be getting will they be getting that $300 a month? The billionaires? <laughs> that don't make y'all mad. That's not enough to radicalize y'all. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Anyways, that being said, Thank you guys for listening this week. Keep your eyes and your ears out for developments in uh, the latest news that we discussed because it will be ongoing. It for sure will be ongoing. So just keep an eye out on that stuff. Uh, Continue to reach out to your representatives. If that's the one thing I can tell y'all to do every time, continue to reach out to your representatives and also vote. Even if they make it hard, make sure that you know what the laws are in your cities, in your towns, in your states, and try to get the vote out the best way you can. Because if it wasn't that serious, if your vote did not count, they would not be trying this hard to take it away from you. And also really quick, look up Brian Sims. He is a um, representative in Pennsylvania, look up Brian Sims on Twitter and see the way that he totally took on the Republicans who are attempting to take away women's rights for their bodies. It was epic. They cut the mic on him because it was so epic. So when you get a chance, just check that out on his Twitter. It's actually on his Twitter, Brian Sims. That's B-R-I-A-N-S-I-M-S. You probably can find clips of it uh, on if you Google as well because I saw a lot of articles about it. So just go watch uh, how brilliantly he calls them out. It's The moment that they get upset is when he mentions that it's majority white, majority men. Oh, that just really sent them over the edge. You know, I love when white men get upset. Anyways, you guys have a great week. Do something wonderful. And if the news is depressing to you, don't watch it. Don't watch it. But if you can stomach it, continue to listen to the podcast. Continue to check out my daily updates on the Facebook page. Did you hear the news? D-I-D-J-A. Hear the news. And interact with me because I want to hear from you guys. All right. Love y'all. Bye. (laughs)